American Hammers Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Welcome back to another episode of American Hammers Radio. This is Tex of the Fresno Irons. It's season two, episode 15. And I am joined by Nostradamus himself, the smartest man alive on American Hammers Network. I know you think it's Tim or Lee, but let's be real. It's the one, the only, Liam Bright. Liam, how are you this evening? Um, fantastic. Thanks for asking. And uh, I would like to say eventually we are going to do an episode that is called American Hammered Radios, and Tex and I are going to do this completely wasted. So I can't promise we'll be wearing clothes, but that's why this is an audio <laughs> uh, endeavor and not visual. Oh, man. I think I think there's some ladies that wouldn't mind the camera being on you, Liam. I think there's some ladies that wouldn't. Uh, it was a, uh, it was interesting since we've talked, uh, we had, um, let's be honest. It was a poor performance against Liverpool. We didn't show up. We played tight. Looked like we were playing not to lose. And anytime you go out on a pitch like that against a superior team like Liverpool, which they proved that they were, um, it makes it really tough. And, uh, we got to see Mohamed Salah yet again, be the thorn in West Ham's side, West Ham, get a consolation goal there at the end courtesy of Craig Dawson uh that game finishes 3-1 there's not really much to say about it Liam do you have any thoughts on that game it was very frustrating to watch yeah I mean there was still some some uh chances that went wanting right like uh Mikel Antonio still couldn't find the back of the net uh I I start to fear that maybe he's becoming frustrated and taking chances that he he probably wouldn't have taken normally, uh, especially when there was opportunity to possibly lay the ball off to somebody else that maybe had a better angle. Uh, I do have to give a massive shout to Craig Dawson, though. I mean, uh, kudos to him to still be, you know, one of our loan options, comes out there starting, you know, takes the position off of Diop and Balbuena. Uh, to become the regular starter. And this is his third goal already this season. And I was actually reading a thread on Twitter that he has, as a defender, he has scored more goals than any other center back in the Premier League. Uh, and at the time it was like 41. I think this actually puts him at like 42 goals. So, I mean, that's that's huge. I mean, this is this is a guy that everybody was shitting on when it was uh, getting known that we he was coming to West Ham. Uh, I would love to keep him uh, as a permanent. I think he's been he's been um, massive for us. I'm gonna. I mean, he has been massive. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be the guy that says I don't know if I want to invest, even if it's just a three million dollar investment on an aging center back. But if he continues this form, it's going to be really hard not to keep him because you know the one thing you don't want to fuck with on this team is the chemistry that we have built, the spirit that this team plays with. Um, it's, it's been incredible. I do have one bone to pick with David Moyes on that Liverpool game. Um, obviously I said it last week. I said it was a statement game for West Ham United. I said, we're going to go out there and win that game three Oh. So the theme of this show, just so you know, is, um, Tex is going to eat crow because I have been so wrong. I'm surprised that I'm still allowed to host the show, um, <laughs> of how poorly I have been in my predictions and my thoughts and everything like that. And I think it is honestly because I am I'm like a woman scorned because I'm acting like um I'm always going to be taken advantage of by David Moyes and I'm going to I'm going to this is my only bone I'm going to pick with him today because after this um I I am going to take my knocks Liam I'm going to uh be destroyed in any way that I can. 
Um, but here's the truth. David Moyes in the pre-match interview said, you know, we're lucky to be in fifth, which pissed me off. And, you know, we'll see if we can compete with a team like Liverpool that that's so good. I I wanted to think when he said it that, oh, you know, he's playing the card of, you know, we're going to we're going to give Liverpool all the love and tell them how great they are, you know. And in my head, I was like, OK, but then we went out and we played so poorly. And in my head, I was thinking, did he tell that to the team? Like, hey, we're lucky to be here. It just was frustrating. I, I want my manager to I'm going to be 100 percent honest. I want my manager more like Jose Mourinho. I want him to be a dick and a prick and sit there and always have an excuse why we lost. That's never our fault. <laughs> like I want it to be incredibly clear that our manager thinks we can win every game. And I was frustrated with his pre-match interview in that Liverpool game. Did you have any thoughts on that, Liam? Well, yeah, I think he was kind of hedging his bets to some degree. You know, if he went out there and tried to pull a Jose Mourinho and was like, oh, we're going to destroy Liverpool. We're the best team there is. You know, this is any rough patch we've had is not our fault. It's the ref's fault. It's the pitch's fault. It's the weather's fault, whatever. You know, as much as there's the part of me that's like, yeah, I mean, I I want a manager to exude confidence, right? Because that confidence should um, spread throughout the team. But I think this team already has the confidence. And I think Moyes is correct in going in there and sort of level setting expectations and saying like, look, it's great that we're in fifth. We're all surprised that we're here, but we're going to continue to work hard. Hopefully we can stay where we are or even better, we'll move further up the table. Because every single one of the the pre-match interviews has always consisted of at least two questions where somebody asks him about their placement in the table and, hey, do you think this team can compete for uh, for the title? Can these guys compete for Champions League's uh, placement? And every single time he answers the same way. You know, hey, uh, we're not going to get ahead of ourselves. We're going to continue to work hard and we're going to do the best that we can to get you know, uh, is the best that we can as a team. And he always places it as the team. It's never him. It's never the guy, you know, just the the players. He doesn't sit there and, and bad mouth them for the Liverpool game. He says, you know, I, I thought we didn't play well. We not, I don't, I don't think the boys played well or the, the starting 11 played well, or the subs didn't make an impact. He goes, I don't think we performed well. I think we can perform better. So he always takes it on the chin, but he takes it for the entire team. And to be honest, I really like that about Moyes, that he has that type of uh, mentality. Whether they're, whether it's Liverpool, whether it's Aston Villa, he pays respect to the other team. He called Jack Grealish one of the you know greatest uh, English players in the Premier League. Um, you know He pays the other teams their dues and then goes out there and tries to win. I think with Liverpool, you're right. I don't think he went out there to win. I think he went out there to not lose. You put it eloquently, and unfortunately, that's exactly what happened for us. It's fr- it's frustrating, and that that's, that's always going to be a bone I pick with him. Um, I, I think you've got a Kool Aid stain on your upper lip there, uh, Liam. I just want you to know that um, that Kool Aid it must taste good because I'm starting to drink it too. I'm not mm, even oh yeah. gonna lie it gets, to you. It gets stuck in the mustache. You know, you just you you, you got to drink it down. I'm gonna tell you, I had my first sip of it uh, after our last game most recently because. What a freaking bounce back game against Aston Villa, a team that's got multiple games in hand who we already have a victory over that we had to work very hard to get. But West Ham came out and all that aggression and the way we played against Liverpool, you could see that aggression and that that fire come back because at no point in that game did I think we were the lesser team dominating performance by West Ham United. Um, obviously we got to see the debut of Jesse Lingard who bagged a brace. 
Um, I, I think that was the most shocking thing was this player that's barely played all year for Manchester United, who nobody knew what we were going to see, gets out there and looks like one of the best players in the prem. And I'm, real, I'm really curious if Ole Gunnar Sursard is, I can't say his name, Ole Gunnar is sitting there going, uh, did I fuck up by letting this guy go on loan? <laughs> like, I, I'm really wondering if he thinks that after that, because as a West Ham supporter, wow, what a game. Obviously, Thomas Suchek started that off. West Ham United uh, take that 1-0 lead with Thomas Suchek. And then, and then from that point on, it was just West Ham United peppering the goal uh, finding ways. A couple of them come through. Antonio, again, he's just on a bad luck right now of finishing. He's in position. He's so close. He almost had a nice little chip goal, but it hung in the air too long. It was able to get cleared out uh, by Tyrone Mings, who ended up almost hurting himself on the play. It was a phenomenal play by him. Um, yeah, they got a constellation goal, um, but we answered back more than two or three minutes later to reclaim our two goal lead by Jesse Lingard again. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what to say about what I saw, but the most shocking thing of all Liam, and this is where I want to start this conversation on this game was when we saw the team sheet come out before the match, a very noticeable name. That's probably the second or third name on the team sheet was left off and put onto the bench. And a lot of questions were, well, did he have a knock? And it proves that he didn't because he came on in relief late. But Jared Bowen was dropped in this game. And Vladimir Sufal was played in an advanced role. The first time we've seen him do that. And Ryan Fredericks comes in to play that right back role. It was troubling, I think, at first. But the more we thought about it, what's the most dangerous player for Aston Villa, Liam? Jack Grealish. And then you put on our best defender in Vladimir Sufal and our fastest defender in Ryan Fredericks to box him in. And fun fact, Ollie Watkins, the man that scored against us, I believe has six goals. Five of them have been assisted by Jack Grealish. That right there tells you, you take Grealish out, you win, and the sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb of Jared Bowen to sit on the bench paid massive dividends. This is where I'm going to start eating crow, Liam. David Moyes, masterclass decision. Well done. I concede to you, my, my, my good sir. Holy hell. What a call to go win that game. I mean, what were your thoughts on this game? See, what I loved about it is that like, not only did it make it so you were dead fucking wrong about it, but it kind of proved that all of us were a little bit wrong, right? I think we were all kind of scratching our heads looking at that team sheet. And even when, you know, the the, the start of the match and it was showing uh, positionally where everybody was, and, you know, it showed Lingard out on the left-hand side, it showed Ben Rama in the center, and then it showed uh, Sufal over on the, on the right. And I was like, wow, that's a really bizarre midfield. Like, I would have assumed Lingard would have gone central and then... You know, we would have had Ben Rama over on the on the uh, uh, on the left hand side with Sufal and Fredericks. I was like, well, they haven't played together. Like they usually, it's Fredericks coming on for Sufal or vice versa. It, well, really, I don't think Fredericks have come on for Sufal other than maybe one match. But it was, you know, there there were some question marks with it. Uh, but very quickly, you could see how frustrating that was for Jack Grealish to the point that he had to switch sides midway through that first half to be on the right hand side just to try to get 
involved in the play because otherwise he was absolutely getting shut down. Uh, I want to say in the second half, once they brought on uh, Traore, he shifted back, Grealish shifted back over to the left-hand side, yet again shut down, had to go to the right because it was on the right-hand side where he actually played that through pass for Ollie Watkins to get the goal. So ultimately, like he was completely ineffective on his preferred left side, and he couldn't play through the middle because uh, Declan and... Um, uh, and Tomas, they they had him down. They had him completely shut out. So, like you said, masterclass from Moyes. Um, you know, I I thought that this was a game that he absolutely got it right. And for us to be able to pick up three points away on a team that you know typically I don't really view as somebody that we would have to worry about in our position when it comes to the table. But this year, like Villa's been pretty good. So this this was definitely a six point spread for us, and I'm glad that we were able to claim the three. I. David Moyes, um, I mean, all credit to you and, and apologies coming my way all throughout the show. So I'll try to give multiple versions of those apologies. Um, if you want, we can send you clips of them later. You can make them into ringtones for your uh, for your viewing pleasure. Um, we'll remix them. So it's like, I'm, I'm, I, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> I, it's just, I watch this team, Liam, and the brilliance of the tactics, number one, really allowed a lot of our players to shine. Vladimir Sufal is, look, Thomas Suchek has been a revelation. He absolutely has. But shearing up the back four with Vladimir Sufal, who can not only play right back, but he can play right wing back as well in an advanced role, and he can put in a cross. You have you, you cannot sit there and tell me that bringing in these two Czech players and Thomas Suchek and Vladimir Sufal hasn't single-handedly been the best two signings West Ham have made since Dimitri Payet and Manuel Lanzini. Yeah. Um, those, I mean, those two players came in at the same time. These two players have revolutionized this team. And it, there's a different bounce and feel and culture. They're smiling on the pitch. They're running around. They look like they're having fun. I mean... When you watch Thomas Suchek score goals, he looks like a little kid that's you know knows he's going to get an extra orange slice at halftime because he put in another <laughs> like he just has that much joy. He's so much fun to watch, and I I just don't know. I think it, it. I have to confidently tell you right now. I think it's limitless what this team can accomplish. I think that we are the most underrated team in the Prem. I think when you look at our starting eleven, and I think people don't realize how good these guys are. Like, I don't think they understand how good Thomas Suchek is and Vladimir Sufal and Ben Harama is now starting to come in. Ben Harama is slowly climbing to be a first name on the team sheet. You know, yep. he, he looks like he's slowly earning David Moyes' um, trust. Fabianski looks like he's back in form. Yes, he made a little, you could argue made a little bit of mistake in that Aston Villa game, but can you really? I mean, he's... I mean, you have to make that decision so fast to come out or stay back. I mean, he, it's hard to fault him. Yeah. You know, we've talked about Ogbana. Craig Dawson has been a revelation on the cheap. And if he continues this form, how can you not keep him? And then you have guys on the bench that are fighting for time that want. And so anytime you create that healthy competition just to get on the pitch, that's huge. Look, you know, Jared Bowen and what he's able to do. We all know what Declan Rice is. I, there's nothing that needs to be said. Declan is Declan. And there's a reason that he is arguably the England national team's best young prospect. You know, yeah. um, 
But you look at this team and Aaron Cresswell's, you know, revitalization to get back to what he was a couple of, you know, three or four years ago. And he's finally coming back into that form. I mean, I'm telling you right now, I'm not happy with the business that we had in the transfer window, but this team looks dangerous. And just looking at the team, Liam, like where are our holes? Like of our starting 11, where are the holes? I'm not talking about depth. Where are the holes? And I, I don't think there is any. I mean, you know, we we were all up in arms in the transfer window, right, for not getting a striker. Uh, and yeah, Mickey's been a little bit off form, but you know, you you know, rewind it to earlier in the season when he was smashing goals in with no issue. You know, like that. That's huge. End of last season, same thing. He he had four goals in one game. Like the the guy can finish. Like that's the thing is, I think sometimes we look at Antonio and we go, oh, well, you know, he's not a natural finisher. No, he is. Just sometimes he's unlucky. I mean, you've you've we've seen it multiple times. Even Ollie Watkins, uh, you know, tries to bend a ball and it glances off the far side of the post and and out. So not every striker lands every single shot. Like even Mo Salah doesn't put every shot in the back of the net. Some shit goes over the the crossbar. Some shit goes wide. Out. It depends on who Mo Salah's playing. If he's playing a team that dresses in claret and blue and has the crossed irons on their shirt, he tends to hit Always. everything in the back of the net. Yeah, that 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 is unfortunately true. But but I think that that's that's one of the biggest things that this team has in spades is potential goal scorers, right? Like you have Cresswell lined up anywhere just outside the 18 and you know he can put that ball on frame. You know there's the potential that Cresswell can can smash that goal home. Now we've got Suchek that has now scored as many goals as Dimitri Payet in the Premier League in 13 less games. So it took Payet more games to hit the goals that Sioux Fall has. And at least Payet was an attacking midfielder. Sioux Fall's a defensive midfielder and still has been able to score those goals. We've got goals coming from Ogbana, from Craig Dawson, as we talked about earlier. Sioux Fall has taken several shots on goal. It's only a matter of time before he puts one past the keeper. We know Declan can score and he'll he'll hit a thunder cunt from outside the, the 18 as we as we've seen him do. Bowen has scored goals. It's only a matter of time before Ben Rama does. You bring in some of the guys off the bench like Fornells who we've you know that's been a discussion for ever for everybody, every West Ham fan. You've been shitting on him left and right and now it's almost like we're surprised when he's left out of the starting 11 because we know what he brings to the table. We well, know for, that first off, don't listen to me. I'm clearly wrong, but continue. <laughs> True, true. This is, and we have the audio proof to back up the the ineffectiveness of your of your opinions at this point. And there's video proof too on Fan Zone. I mean, this is great. You're you're eating crow across multiple <laughs> mediums at this point. But but I, I love the fact that we can argue about who is the best starting eleven because we have these options. I mean, really, the only option that we're maybe a little bit too light in is striker. Right, because I would not look at Yarmolenko and say, "Yeah, that's a like for like replacement for Mickey." Like, or hey, that's that's an improvement, or hey, that's somebody that can still hold the front line. But at this point, like, I trust Moyes that if he had to pull Antonio out or if Antonio gets injured, I feel like he has a plan B. And fuck it, I don't care if he throws Suchek uh, up front and he ends up being the target striker, a la Andy Carroll. I don't give a fuck at this point. Whatever Moyes is gonna try. I'm at least going to believe in it until it fails. 
because he has he has earned my trust up to that point. And I know he's earned yours, even though you are a curmudgeon when it fucking comes to <laughs> paying Moyes a compliment. But I know in your heart of hearts, you got to start believing him. Look, I, I told you, this is the show where I'm going to eat crow all show. And you're 100% right. Moyes has won me over. I'm admitting it right now at 10.39 p.m. in Fresno, California, as I'm recording American Hammers Radio Season 2, Episode 15. My stance on David Moyes has officially changed. I do believe he is the right man for the job. I still question if he is the guy that can take us to the ultimate heights of the Premier League, which is ultimately what. Let me make this clear. I am not the West Ham fan that wants to finish in the top four. I'm the West Ham fan that wants to fucking win the league. So I want to make that very clear. Okay. And that's where my questions come in on him. Does he have that grit that a manager needs in order to drag that out of his starting 11 to go win the prim? That, that's what I want to do. And I, I'm, I still believe in my heart that if we go on a run right now, we can be in the conversation to win the league. You know, yeah. I, I, I think it's incredibly unlikely, um, but I think it's not unlikely that we can finish in the top four. But speaking of David Moyes, and I'm going to pay him another compliment. In the transfer window, you said it. We didn't get a striker, but we did pick up somebody on loan. And that person was a player that we believed in so much that I'm sure David Moyes got the board to make Ben Harama's deal permanent so we could open up a loan spot for Jesse Lingard of Manchester United. Now, let, let, let's be real here. Right now, we can be prisoners of the moment. We can say he's the best player in the Prem. We could do that, Liam, but we're going to yeah. be real for a moment. The player has barely played at all this year, hasn't appeared in a single Premier League game. Has not. We get him on loan. He doesn't start in his first game of eligibility, which kudos to David Moyes. Again, another compliment to him from your from your boy Tex here. Another compliment to David Moyes that he didn't throw him on the pitch in his first game against Liverpool. He didn't even put him on the bench. He kind of made Jesse Lingard earn it, if you will. But it's very clear why Jesse Lingard earned a start so fast because he put two in in that game. Now, granted, I'm going to tell you right now, they weren't the best place strikes. The goalie got hands on both of them. But in the words of Jesse Gibson of Fresno Iron out here, he's not afraid to sit send the ball at the net. He's not afraid to take that shot. And I'm telling you right now, Ben Harama, um, Jesse Lingard, and Mikel Antonio, wow. Yeah. That's deadly. And just yeah. think about when Bowen gets added in, which I'm sure he will be in this game coming up. Oh my God, that that attacking force is deadly. And we saw it. And we saw Jesse Lingard get his quote-unquote swag back. Like he yeah. definitely had it. I mean, there's no way you can tell me you thought Jesse Lingard would bag a brace in his first game. I think I think we all kind of thought he might have a shot to get a goal, but to bag a brace and be as deadly as he was, did you watch his runs, his ability to create space, his understanding? He's playing with a bunch of guys he doesn't know. When Antonio sent that ball to him, he purposely widened to get yep. that to create that space. Antonio feeds it to him, then he slams home the goal. I'm just I, I'm blown away at what I saw to that player. He is a different level of class 
that I I mean, look, Dimitri Pyatt was Dimitri Pyatt. But Jesse Lingard, wow. What are your thoughts on that boy? So Tex, the 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 thing that like just absolutely wowed me was his work rate. Because here's a dude that's like, whatever, I'm on loan. I just gotta look up if I look good enough. You know, I'll go back to to Man U and I'll I'll get my spot back, right? Like this is just I get to I can play football. Like that's all that matters. When when that counterattack started and you watch him, he like puts his head down and just fucking takes off because he's like I need to I need to get there. I need to be up on that line. And then when you know typically. And, you know, we were talking about this before with Mickey, right? He's been unlucky, right? He just hasn't been able to find the back of the net. But this this is why Mikhail Antonio is so deadly in that striker position is because he has the ability to lay off that pass. He has the ability to hold up play when needed and fuel that counterattack. So when he lobs that ball over to Jesse, Jesse chests it down perfectly, like literally chests and angles it a la the Bowen goal from two games ago, right? Like we're just, it comes down perfect, fires it off on that left foot, scores the goal, right? Low and hard, keeper can't keep it out of the net. His second goal, I want to say Antonio feeds off that one too. It's a little one-two off of Benrama, feeds it through to Jesse. Jesse's on, Jesse uh, uh, kind of fades out, same thing, goes wide on the right, left foots it. Same thing, low and hard, past the keeper. This is, this is a kid that has that natural talent that just was not being exploited at a team that maybe has an abundance of riches like Manchester United. But a guy like that can absolutely thrive in a setting like West Ham where we have the guys that are hard workers. And if Jesse wants to work hard like he did in that Aston Villa game, he can be a fucking superstar. He can be another Declan Rice on this team. And when you look at guys that that can seamlessly work together in that attack. Like Benarama and Jesse were fucking fantastic when they would team up on that, on that left-hand side and just the overlap, the through balls, the plays, there were more passes being strung together by our team in, in this last match than I had seen for weeks. And I think Jesse Lingard was probably that linchpin that we were missing in the center of the park. I am, I am sad I'll be honest. I know it's only one game, so we're probably getting ahead of ourselves, but I am legitimately <laughs> sad that it was not alone with an option to buy. I am worried that he will absolutely just go back to Man U and it won't even be a conversation of us being able to keep him on past the end of the season because I would love to see, you know, with with the rest of this season under his belt, I would love to see how the 2021-22 season would go with Jesse Lingard as a mainstay in the center of the park. I, look, I... I was skeptical of it because um, I wanted a striker. I'm admitting that now. Again, another mistake that I have made, another poor um, assessment of what West Ham needed to do. I clearly I, I clearly am not as smart as David Moyes. It's been proven. And um, I, I I didn't understand it. I really didn't. I thought we had Manuel Lanzini. I thought we had I thought that was a packed area for us to bring in another player. That was my honest opinion. Now, you and I have said it that, you know, Pablo Fornals, um, probably the hardest worker on the team. I mean, I think we can confidently say that. Skill level is probably of the starting 11. He would probably be the worst player. I'm not saying that he's a bad player in any way, but compared to the other 11 guys on the pitch, he's probably the worst when it comes to what he can actually do with the ball 
um, his vision, his understanding of spacing. He tends to struggle with those, but he makes those hustle plays. Well, the one thing I'm going to give myself a little credit for is I said, we need to upgrade that position. I thought Lanzini was that guy. No, it's Lingard. <laughs> Lingard makes a massive difference um, for West Ham United because of what he can do, uh, his vision, his the weight on his passes is perfect. You know, I, now look, he had a dream debut for West Ham United to score a brace. That's a dream debut. Can only ask for that. But the reality of the situation is we're not going to get that every week, and I think we understand that. But I think Jesse Lingard in a bad game is better than Pablo Fornals on a good game. That's just- well, Yeah, the, the last time we had a, a, a debut performance with two goals was Trevor Sinclair in the 98-99 season. So that's how long it's been since we've had something like that. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> just to put it in perspective. The, I mean, I, how good can Jesse Lingard be? I think under David Moyes and this West Ham United team with the ability to um, express himself probably the way he wants to. It looks like he's got a little bit of a free roll. There was some interchanging going on between him and Ben Arama. So he was floating to the middle, out to the left. Um, The way him and Antonio already have this chemistry going is impressive. I, I, I think Jesse Lingard, if, Let's play Let's play out a little hypothetical situation here, Liam. If West Ham United continue this run of form, let, let's be 100% honest. When you look at West Ham and what they've accomplished this year, most likely will drop to Manchester City and most likely will drop to Manchester United. Probably going to be able to pull a point at least off Leicester. Um, we're done playing Liverpool. Hopefully we rise to the occasion when we play Chelsea and we can at least get a point off that. Chelsea seems to have recaptured their form. And then after those teams, to be honest with you, Liam, we're better than everybody else. We're a better team than Everton. Um, I think we're a better squad than Tottenham. Yeah. Especially now that Tottenham have Harry Kane that's injured. We know we're better than Villa. We're going to, we're going to beat Arsenal when we play them. Um, yes, Arsenal are playing better, but I don't think Arsenal finishes above uh, 7th or 8th this year. Yeah, um, and then everybody else, I'm not going to go through it, but we're better than everybody else. So when you really break it down, if West Ham United, let's just say they they get all three off Leicester and a point off Manchester United, it's a legit shot for West Ham to legitimately, no lie, be in the top four. You know, that, that they're, they're there. If Jesse Lingard's playing with us in a starting role and he's going to have Champions League football, why wouldn't he want to stay with us where he has a guaranteed spot rather than go back to Manchester United and quote-unquote have to fight for his place? Yeah, I mean, no offense. How many people do you know want to live in Manchester over London? Right. And I think the, the, other, the other caveat to that too, though, is uh, like Lingard came up through Manchester United's academy, right? So like this is one of those, you know, this, this was his home. This was his childhood club. Like, you know, he's got the, the heart for it. Just like, you know, uh, Declan's parents and his family are all Chelsea fans, right? Because that's where they live. So it's like, I, I think there is some aspect to that. But like the dude, like you said, man, he's, he's 28. You know, and it's all well and good to be like, yeah, I'm on the Manchester United team and sometimes I make the bench versus now I'm on West Ham. I still get to play Champions League. I'm still in the top half of the table. Yeah, I have to battle for my my uh, position, but I still get all the other benefits 
but also the benefits of actually playing. Now, it's also the, do you want to be part of a team that probably has more potential to win, a la Manchester United? Or do you do you want to be part of that squad that, you know, when you do help us win, it's a fucking monumental season. Like, if you could be part of the team that got West Ham to win Champions League or win the Premier League, isn't that far more important than just being one of the many Manchester United teams that has won a trophy. You know, I, I just feel like there's there's more to it doing it with West Ham and you would be remembered as a club legend as opposed to just one of the guys that came through. I hear what you're saying. I, I, I think it's simpler than that. I think for Jesse Lingard, why would you walk away from something that you're guaranteed to be the man? Yeah. Like you're, you're yeah. guaranteed. Like Jesse Lingard, you proved it against Aston Villa. You like... This is the Jerry Maguire moment, okay? At the end of the season, we're going to be Tom Cruise busting into the room, looking at Renee Zellweger, who's not that attractive, and Jesse Lingard, you know, he's not the greatest-looking guy, so I guess I think it makes it makes a little bit of sense here. And we're going to go, you had me at the loan. You had me at the loan. <laughs> and we're going to have to bring this guy. I mean, look, the reality is, let's say uh, we talked about it on the phone. There's, he has a legit shot to bag eight goals between now and the end of the season. He's already got two. We could see six more. He bags eight goals in half a season, and West Ham finished in the top four, and he's pretty much started every game since the Aston Villa game, you know, in the prim. Why would you want to leave? Right. Jesse Lingard can absolutely tell Manchester United, I want to stay. You know, and if they do right by the player, which Manchester United um, say what you want about them, but the one thing they have proven is they are a class organization. They don't they don't typically uh, try to screw guys over. You know, that's not really in their nature. You know, um, so they don't act like West Ham, if you will, <laughs> uh, when it comes to transfers. So, I mean, there's a legit shot that this player could. Now, granted, we are prisoners of the moment right now. We are admitting that on the show. <laughs> Because of what we saw in that game, we saw a Jesse Lingard that just absolutely tore it up for Manchester United, tore it up for us. And it was absolutely incredible to watch. And there's no limit to how good he can actually be. No limit. Agreed. And, and I think that that, you know, I think you were both saying ultimately the same thing is, you know, this is a guy that wants to play football. He's at uh, arguably the prime of his career. So why not stay at a place that he can continue to actively play football? And, you know, I, I think the, the, the only concern I would have otherwise, though, is that if he does perform as well as he wants, as well as we could foreseeably see him. Uh, uh, performing that Manchester United may slap a huge price tag on him because they may see some value in like the yeah maybe he's not a starter but if he is somebody that can be an impact off the bench yeah we'd like to have him back but if you guys want to keep him cool here's you know the forty million dollar price tag for you to take Jesse Lingard which we know our our owners are going to balk at that even with Moyes trying to put pressure saying like hey this is the guy this is the person I need because we know Moyes isn't going to just bring in clowns he's not bringing in jokers he's not bringing in people just to satisfy you know the board or us the fans he has a very particular game plan 
plan, and he has very particular players that he wants to bring in. Jesse Lingard was absolutely one of those. Now, I don't know if he factors into Moyes' plan beyond the rest of this season, or if it is just a, hey, this was a linchpin that we need now until it's the summer and I get to rebuild and, you know, maybe lose a couple more players that I, you know, Moyes doesn't feel are are pulling their weight or making the impact that he wants them to so that he can spend the money on players that he knows will make that impact because he is that guy that's scouting. The only other thing too, though, that I think plays in our favor is that the more that Jesse plays, the more likely he is to garner attention from Gareth Southgate, who was at the Aston Villa match watching Declan Rice, watching Jack Grealish, and by consequence, also watching uh, Jesse Lingard. So the more minutes that he plays, the more likely he is to get minutes back into the national team, which ultimately we all know is what he wants. Yeah, 100%. He knows if he's going to play for England again, he's got to be playing regular football. And he's going to get that at West Ham United. And you know, I, I think I've got to ask you this question. You know, we spent some time on Lingard, which he absolutely deserves us to spend that time. But I have to ask you this question. We've talked about, I don't think people realize how huge that performance is against Aston Villa coming off that Liverpool loss. Because of the last three years, when West Ham United have a bad loss like that, it lingers. It tends to stick on us. And we come out and the old West Ham would have had to fight and claw to maybe even just get a point out of that game against Aston Villa. But that's not the case anymore. The culture is different now, and that is kudos to David Moyes and getting rid of guys that we don't need. Like, there was not one West Ham fan I've run into that said that they wish we would have hung on to Sebastian Allaire. He absolutely should have gone. We we yeah. don't we didn't want him. Uh, he didn't fit. He he definitely didn't work like David Moyes needs you to. We know that it's a matter of time until Mickey's going to miss a several games in a row. We know that, which is why we were crying out for a striker. But here's what's been proven: David Moyes is not going to listen to anybody other than himself. He has a clear plan. He doesn't give a shit what I say or you say, Liam, or what any other supporter says. Hell, I don't even think he gives a shit what the board says. You know, he's going to do what he's got to do. I think when you look at the signings we have made under David Moyes, okay, and these are the Moyes guys, Vladimir Sufal, Thomas Suchek, Craig Dawson, Jesse Lingard, name, I, I can't name another one, but of those four right there, like, be honest with me, Liam, who has not impacted the team in a positive way of those four names I just gave you? Yeah, I mean, all every single one of them absolutely are pulling their weight. And I'll even add two more, Saeed Bannarama and Jared Bowen. I mean, these are two more guys that were brought in underneath the Moyes leadership. And every single one of them has been impactful. Bannarama has been better every game that he has gotten on there. Jared Bowen, like you said, first couple of names on the team sheet, he's absolutely included in that because he has made such an impact in this team. And these are guys that have come up through the championship. Like, we're not talking about other players that were licking off of, you know, uh, top six teams. These are guys that were playing down in a lower league that Moyes saw that potential. Craig Dawson, a team that just got relegated in Watford, Moyes saw the potential and brought him in. And we all laughed at him thinking like, oh, fuck, man, I'd rather have a herniated disc than have Craig Dawson. But it's fucking Craig Dawson, mate. And he's making an impact three goals already. Like you've got strikers for other teams that would love to have found three goals already so far this season. I think this is a team that has been well constructed. And I think that Moyes knows exactly what he's doing. And as long as 
Lingard performs, and I'm not saying he needs to score two goals every game. I'd love it if he did. But if, even if he just makes the impact that he made, the runs that he makes, the 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 the, the go-betweens with, you know, whether it's Benarama, and you you alluded to this earlier, where it's a very fluid attack, right? Where Lingard can kind of shift right to left. Even Mickey was doing the same thing, Benarama coming into the center. This is going to make it incredibly difficult for defenses to plan appropriately because these guys are weaving in and out of each other that no one's going to be able to track these guys efficiently, especially with these fullbacks bombing up the wings. And we haven't even talked about the fact that what happens when Masuaku comes back? Here is a guy that was an absolute starter in the first uh, stretch of this season that obviously underwent surgery, but now he's working his way back up to full fitness. And he's even said on, on Twitter, he goes, yeah, but where do I fit in? Like, here's a guy that normally would have been in the starting 11 because we saw what an impact that he could make. Now, I don't even know if he makes the bench. That's fucking crazy that we we talk about this team not having depth when we, we kind of do. We have more players available that can make an impact. And that's something I haven't been able to say in years. Not, not, not since, fuck, man. Like, I would say even pre-Fat uh, Sam. Like we just have, like we've had, we've had teams that have one or two good players and the rest of them were mediocre at best. And the game plan was always get the ball to those guys, get the ball to Dimitri Payet, right? Get the ball to Arnautovic. Now we have a team that, fuck it. I don't care who has the ball. Any one of these guys can put it in the back of the net. At this point, I think even Fabianski could fucking do it. <laughs> I think that, I think we may see that by the end of the year. We may see Fabi get a goal. Uh, look. This team is special, Liam. It's a special team. Um, this is uh, this is what happens when you, um, you know, and I'm not saying I did this. This is, this is what happens when the board gets out of the way of the manager. This is what happens. Um, yeah. The man, the board gets out of the way. They allow David Moyes, even though it was limited funds. I, I, I wish David Moyes would go to the grocery store with me because he might be the best bargain shopper I've ever seen. I mean, you go get Thomas Suchek. Um, I don't even think we paid ten million for him. Um, you get Vladimir Sufal, who I believe was five million. You know, Craig Dawson was a loan move that we could make permanent if we choose to for only I think three million. Yeah. So you look at what he's done as this bargain shopper, and it's been impressive. I mean, Ben Harama was a board signing, and I understand that uh, Ben Harama, but Moyes had to sign off on it. So yeah. Moyes clearly like the player. Um, I, I believe, I don't know. You might correct me if I'm wrong here. I believe that was the same situation with Bowen. The board brought Bowen to Moyes and Moyes signed off on it, but it might be, it might've been the other way around, but regardless of whatever it is, you can't tell me that Ben Arama at this moment hasn't been worth every penny and nor has Bowen been worth every penny that we spent for him. You know, those six players that we've kind of brought up that have been brought in, um, by the David Moyes regime, all six of them have impacted the club in a positive way and have only taken the club forward and they have not been lateral moves nor moves that take us backwards. Whereas in under Pellegrini, they took us backwards after the first season at the Bolin under Slavin Bilic and bringing all, I mean, Harvard Norvite. Let's not forget that one. Let's not forget, oh, you know, oh. Simone Zaza. Let's not forget, you know, um, there's just, I mean, uh, uh, Faguli, who I, I, I liked. Say. I liked Faguli, I will admit. 
Um, but the fact of the matter is, like every player that seemed to be brought on after that first season of the Bullen under Billich was dog shit. All the money that they spent under um, under the watchful eye of Manuel Pellegrini, it's been very clear that Pellegrini, you know, he had gone senile. He didn't understand what the hell he was looking <laughs> at anymore. You know, he probably was like somebody told him that guy scores goals. Like, all right, we'll buy him. And never yeah. actually why I, I really feel like he did it for a paycheck for us. And, and we kind of got screwed there. Um, and now David Moyes is doing everything on the cheap. And which is why I think David Moyes has been so successful up to this point is because he has to play everything close to the chest because he knows he doesn't have any money to make a mistake with. Yeah. He has to be correct. And so that, that leads it into this, this, this next question is, Obviously, West Ham United, the transfer window, there was no big business done on the on deadline day. It's the fourth in a row that's happened. Um, you know, we didn't bring in Arbeloa, which, you know, huge uh, defender from Real Madrid, supposed to be great. <laughs> Fucking another deadline day deal that was dog shit. Um, so we don't bring anybody in. And it's almost like no not just getting a body is better than, you know, just buying somebody for the sake of buying somebody. So the question is out of the transfers, do you think we will live to regret not getting a striker Liam? Or do you think we have enough in the squad to not let that affect us when Antonio goes down? Cause we know he's going to go down and miss three or four games in a row at some point. Well, I think at this point, I mean, yeah, we don't have we don't have a, a like for like backup for Antonio. But as I said before, like we have goal scorers. We have goal scorers absolutely everywhere on the pitch, and we have people that are waiting in the wings, quite literally. With when you th- think about like Fornals and Masuaku, wingers that would love to get a chance to get back in, back in the the, the game, like get get back in that starting eleven. So I think if Mickey goes down. You know, you could put Ben Rama up top. You could put Bowen up top. As we said before, fuck it, man. You could bring Mark Noble back into the central midfield and you could put Suchek up fucking top. I mean, Andy Carroll, that guy, just keep lumping, you know, balls route one up through the top and have him smash him home. He can score with his head. He can score with his feet. The dude's versatile as fuck. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm significantly less worried about us not having a striker after seeing the performance against... Uh, um, Aston Villa, because I, I, at the end of the day, I keep thinking about Antonio going, yeah, he's a striker now, but he was a fucking right back. Like this was a right back that now is the lead, the line, hold up play striker that we have. So I really do believe that if Moyes felt that we desperately needed a striker, that we were in dire straits for a striker, he would have bought somebody he would have at least gotten another body in there. But I think he looks at this lineup and goes, no, I mean, if Mickey goes down, I put Yarmo up there. If Yarmo's not performing, I shift Bowen up top. I shift Ben Rama up top. Now I have Jesse Lingard. I'll I'll put Jesse Lingard up top. There, there are more, more than one way to skin a cat, right? You're a fucking Texan. You know this better than anybody. So, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, I'm, I'm less worried about this because at the end of the day, I think contrary to popular belief, I do think that Moyes knows what he's doing. And I would rather, at the end of the day, save that $30 million and maybe make Jesse Lingard a permanent move when this season's over. And if that $30 million gets the, gets him over the line, gets us to be able to keep him, especially if he keeps this run of form, 
to me, that's money better better spent than just throwing it at, at Josh King, who has not found form this year, right? Or you and I love Danny Ings, but do we spend that kind of money on a Danny Ings that really is is kind of heading towards the twilight of his career? Is this somebody that we really do bring in to lead the line striker? No, I'd rather continue to develop the kids in the academy and try to, get, like the, the guys that we've put out on loan, I'd rather put them out on loan, let them get those minutes in, come back next season stronger, competing for that frontline spot. What do you think, though? I, I Look, you're correct when you say we have to trust Moyes. And, and yeah, I've, I've admitted it. I was wrong. I'm 100% wrong on Moyes. I'm saying that now. But I still disagree with the, the point that we, we absolutely needed a striker. And I don't think that that was a smart move to continue on because I don't think you can constantly count on goals from the midfield and a defender. I just don't think you can do that. And I think you have to have a striker in place that can do that. The, look, we scored three goals in that game. Well, Antonio set up two of them. Yeah. You know, so Mikel Antonio, when he's not scoring, he's able to set it up. And why is he able to do that? Because his holdup play is brilliant. And he's, he's absolutely a guy that causes so much havoc. He's going to draw the attention from both center backs. He's always going to, they're going to have to collapse on him, which is going to leave spaces for those guys to come in and make runs. Thomas Suchek scores that goal because, because, um, the attention was on Antonio. So right. he's able to make that run. And I, I I don't want people to miss the point that Antonio in our attack is our most important player. That's why when he plays, we are better. So I don't like the fact that we don't have another striker. And I'm going to point this out right now. There is not anybody on the team, and you said it, that's a like-for-like like replacement. There's nobody we have that can do what Antonio does. Why did I scream out for Josh King? Two reasons. One, I think we can get him on the cheap. And two, he can kind of emulate some of the things that Antonio does. So he can still kind of keep the same shape and do the same things. He is not going to be the brute force that Mikel Antonio is, but he can hold it up and he can send in a pass. I don't think we're as good, but we absolutely need a striker. So that $30 million that you're speaking of, here's the truth. I would much rather see them go buy a striker that can back up Antonio and then take whatever's left over and and go try to maybe keep Lingard with that. But the truth is, here, here's the nice thing I'm going to say. We do not need to buy a striker that's fighting for first team minutes. We can go buy a guy that's got a lot of potential. We have the ability to do that right now because it's very clear that Mikel Antonio is our guy. And his his whole mindset has changed. He wants to be here. He um I don't I don't know if he's actually signed the new contract, but there's rumors that a new contract's coming or he's already signed it. But he's gonna be with us for a while. He's gonna end his career in Claret and Blue. He absolutely will. Yeah, for sure. And and I think that that's the that's that's an important aspect, right? Is to have these players that we know are devoted to the team. We know that they want to stay here, and we know that they're going to battle. Now, to to pull it back a little bit, because you were saying how. Um, we can't always rely on, you know, goals to come from the midfield, right? That really the goals should be coming from the striker. I, I, and I agree. I think that most teams really do operate that way. This team, however, I think is sort of the exception to the rule. Look at just for this season, right? Uh, Thomas Suchek, eight goals. 
Mikel Antonio, five. Jared Bowen, five. Sebastian Allaire, three. Craig Dawson is the next one after Sebastian Allaire with two. Because remember, his third goal came in the uh, the FA Cup. So it's not a League Cup goal. Um, Sebastian Allaire had multiple goals in Carabao Cup, right? So he actually has more goals than what the league goals are showing. But still, that was an actual striker, right? Not a converted striker like Mikel Antonio, but an actual striker had less goals than Jared Bowen, a winger. Less goals than a defensive midfielder in Thomas Suchek. Beyond Craig Dawson at two goals is also Pablo Fernals with two goals. Now Jesse Lingard with two goals. Uh, Angela Bana with two goals. And then beyond that is just Fabian uh, Balbuena with one, Ben Johnson with one, Manuel Lanzini with one. That's huge. You know what I mean? When you really think about it, the only recognized striker had barely one goal more than our center backs. Than fucking center backs. Like, that's insane to me when you really think about this concept of, well, we have to have strikers, we have to have strikers. We're able to find these goals and we're able to find them from the midfield and from our defense. We have more goals than any team in the Prem from set pieces. And we have not had a single penalty all season. We are absolutely the team that deserve to be where we are on the table because we have worked so hard to get there. And we've done it without the benefit of VAR. We've done it without the benefit of, of uh, you know, lazy shouts uh, inside the 18-yard box. I mean, this this team is dynamic. This team works hard. This team works together. There's just, there, there's nothing that I, there's no team that we face that I don't think we have the potential to win. And even that Liverpool match, contrary to what Moyes was saying, I still thought we had the chance to win. I, I still, I'm telling you right now, Liam, and I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it on and I'm not faulting David Moyes for this. I'm not. This is just my fear that I hold myself. When Mikel Antonio goes down, our attack will suffer. And when it suffers, that's going to be my proving ground to say, you need that guy that draw the attention of the center backs that can put fear in their hearts so that therefore there's two that collapse to open up those spaces, which is why we are so dangerous right now. Now, if I'm wrong, I would be happy to be wrong, but I still think that West Ham would have been served right to go spend 10 to 15 million on a young striker that's got some ability just to have in place in case Antonio goes down. This is this is my thing. Normally, we are trying to buy players that need to start immediately to change our team. We're not in that position anymore. We are now buying for depth, which means we don't have to spend that absorbent amount of money on and sink a bunch of money into a player that we're unsure about. So we have the ability to go get a young kid abroad um, or maybe somebody from the lower leagues that can come up and, you know, be there in a role and we can use. I don't, I love the academy shout, but unfortunately in our academy right now, we don't have a striker that's uh, setting the world ablaze, if you will. Yeah. You know, we've, we've got some good players down there. We just don't have anybody in that role. And so that's where, that's where that issue comes in for me. Obviously it's a big game. Um, that we had against Aston Villa, poor performance, way to bounce back. We have another game coming up uh, here that I think is very winnable, and I think you would agree with it. We're playing Fulham at Craven Cottage. Now, they are led by former West Ham great Scotty Parker, and they are fighting hard right now. Fulham has been playing very good, but Fulham, uh, the problem with them is they just don't have 
Um, I think that quality in there, they're coming off a loss to Leicester 2-0. They played well in that game, but they're just, they were outclassed, you know, and that's what happens when you don't have those pieces. Obviously, um, you know, Tom Kearney is a guy we have to watch out for. He was linked with West Ham United, which means he most likely will score against us. So <laughs> that's just the kind of the way that shit works. And uh, I don't know, we are the most unlucky team when it comes to things like that. But this game coming up against Fulham is a game that we should absolutely be able to run away with again. It's another m- very winnable game for West Ham United. Um, what are your thoughts on the game before we go into the starting 11? How important is this game um, in your opinion? Granted, it is Fulham who are fighting relegation. I mean, it's it's huge, right? Like this is, um, you know, the when we played Fulham early, earlier in the season, we played them at home. Uh, we only beat them 1-0. So, I mean, this was a team that was able to fight, that was able to keep the store, score close. And even then, the goal was still, um, you know, it was still one that was controversial. There was it wasn't a clear, clean cut goal. This one was somewhat of a con- controversial one, which you know Scotty Parker had had an opinion about it after the after the match was over. But three points is three points, right? Same thing that we just had to do with Aston Villa, rob them of three points at home. Uh, and this is what we're doing again. This is another away match. This is another opportunity for us to maintain our position, if not climb in the table. Because the biggest thing, uh, the, you know, that that some of the other teams around us that we're finding uh, are these banana peels, right? Liverpool beats us pretty handedly 3-1. They go to Brighton and lose. <laughs> fucking Brighton and lose, right? In the words of David Gold, lowly Brighton, right? And and that's, I want to say Tottenham had just recently had a loss to them as well. We had a draw against Brighton. So like, yeah, we still were able to nick a point, but it's not like we handedly beat this team. So these lower level teams, lower in the table teams are still able to pull points against some of the top. So we don't want to go into Fulham overconfident. We don't want to go into... Uh, you know, Craven Cottage and think like, oh, this is going to be easy three points. We're going to walk away with it. We have to go in and be ready to battle. And I think that for for us to really be able to maintain the momentum and maintain our place, if not climb the table, these three points are going to be critical. Regardless of what position the team the, the team is in, every game, the points are critical. I, I agree with everything you're saying. I, I understand the banana peel, and I get it. And even if we lose this game, I still think we're going to have the ability to finish in the top four. And I mean that. And, and call me crazy. And the reason I say that is because every year, you know, I used to hear, uh, I think Sir Alex Ferguson said this, the measure of a great team is who can go win midweek away at Stoke. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that. that's how you, you measure yourself. And West Ham United are going to have to go into a, a, a tough environment against a team that's going to be fighting hard. Um, their leading goal scorer is Bobby De Cordova. He's got five goals. So it's not, it's a decent shout for a, a guy that uh, a team that low that's struggling. They have two points from five and let's not forget Lookman, you know, gifted us last time that we, that should have been, it should have been a draw, a draw, a two, two draw. Last time uh, we saw this Lookman tried to be cute from the spot and it oh. didn't work out for him. So we got that win. Um, it maybe was a little lucky, but we're a different team now than they saw. We we have a clear understanding of who we are. We're playing in a way that makes us incredibly dangerous. Uh, we're not going to be afraid of Fulham. Fulham's going to have to bring us the game. They have Mitrovic who they can bring on, and Mitrovic at any moment can, you know, he he can make a game ugly and he can score a goal. Uh, but the reality of the situation is, 
West Ham to be who they really think they are and who I think they are, they'll win this game. Um, And I I really do believe they will. So give me your starting 11. So I'm going to keep it relatively unchanged from what we just saw against uh, um, Aston Villa. My only change is uh, I drop Fredericks, I bring in Bowen. Uh, but but everybody else, you know, the back line stays the same. Defensive midfielders, that midfield's going to be Bowen, Lingard, and Benrama, and then Antonio leading the line up top. What about for you? Uh, you you took it out right out. I mean, you, you drop Fredericks, you back Sufal into the right-back role that he's accustomed to. You bring Jared Bowen back into that right-hand side so he can uh, run down and uh, cause havoc like he has all season long. Um and now we get to see arguably what I think will be one of the most feared attacks in the Premier League for the first time on the pitch together. Nice. And that, that's my thing. Even if Fulham get an early goal, I'm not afraid because I know that we have goals in us and we have the ability. Um, I just think this West Ham team is better and I think they'll prove it and I think they'll play very hard and I think they'll get another workman-like performance. Uh, what's your final score and man of the match of this one? Uh, I'm going to say that we end this 3-0. Uh, I'm going to say that Lingard gets another goal because it's fucking Jesse Lingard. Uh, I think Antonio finally breaks that uh, bad luck streak that he's had, and I think he absolutely puts one in the back of the net. And then I, uh, as much as I really want Ben Rama to get that goal because I really, really think he deserves it and he's been working so hard for it, I think he is the bridesmaid on this team. I think he is the guy that will have will probably lead our team in assists when the season is over. Uh but I think that he will go he will probably go wanting for a goal. So I'm going to trust the big man to to score the third one. It's going to be Thomas Suchek. Uh man of the match, fucking Thomas Suchek, man. Like this dude has been something else. And I love that Jesse Lingard got the brace uh in this game, but still Suchek let he was the first goal in, man. And even before that, you know, he had uh, what should have been a penalty shot when he just tripped in the box. And then he had a curler that just arced past the bar. Um, I, I really think that this dude is something special. I'd love to see him. I mean, he'll hit double digits before season's out uh, without without a doubt. But I, I love the man. I love I love I love Tommy Sue. <laughs> Again, I don't think you can count on goals from the midfield, but. Thomas Suchek may be the surest thing you can count on for West Ham United. Uh, I have this game finishing 2-1. I think Jared Bowen gets on the score sheet early. I think think Bowen reminds me of a guy that he's probably not going to be happy that he was dropped. He probably understands. I'm not saying he's causing a ruckus or anything, but he's going to come out and he's going to want to prove something. And uh, I think he's going to get the first goal. And I think Mikel Antonio is going to get a dirty one. And I think it's two there. Um, the last couple of games we've fallen asleep at times and I, I still subscribe to the theory that if you're linked with West Ham United in a move, you get a goal against us. It's a customary gift that we give you. I think Tom Kearney gets one for them. And if it's not Kearney, it's Mitrovic. Though both those players have been linked with us. Um, I think it's two one, but I think it's a situation where, uh, Fulham get a goal after the 85th minute after we're up two Oh, Little yeah. bit of a tight finish, but West Ham United able to control the ball and put it away. Um, that's what I think. Who's your man of the match? Uh, oh, that's right. You told me. Yeah. You said Tommy Suchek. Uh, yep. My my man of the match, in, in all honesty, is going to be Mikel Antonio. I don't think I, – I do believe in my heart. I know Jesse Lingard had a brace. I understand that. But I thought the best player on the pitch in the last game against Aston Villa was 100% Mikel Antonio. Nice. Um, I loved his work rate. I loved the way that he controlled the ball. I loved his distribution of the ball. That's the best passing I've seen Antonio do maybe ever 
for West Ham United. You know, just consistently all game. He's made better passes, but all game I felt like his balls were where they needed to be. Um, absolutely set the table for uh, Lingard twice, which I thought was brilliant. Um, you're right on Benarama. That's going to be a close shot, but I'm going to go Antonio, man of the match. All right, it's uh, time for everybody's favorite part of the show. It's time for our yellow and red cards. Hit me with your yellow card, Liam. I know I, I give this one out a lot, but it's going to go to the refs, man. Like, this is just so fucking frustrating to, to, to still see, you know, Aston Villa flop on the ground. Like, granted, they were nowhere near as bad this time as they were uh, the, the, when we played them earlier in the season. But still, it's like, it's the little bullshit moves. And they, they pulled the shit against Liverpool, too, where it was, you know, uh, Ogbonna battling for a ball with uh, um, Mo Salah. And, like, Mo Salah throws himself to the ground in the most awkward way. Like, there's no way the the positioning that Ogbonna had that you would have fallen that way unless you were fucking being theatrical. And yet they let these guys get away with it. And I've been saying it for years, just start handing out cards. As soon as these guys start accumulating those yellows, their managers are going to go fucking knock it off because you're going to cost us a game with this bullshit. But it's never going to stop. I know the refs aren't going to do it. So I'm going to, if they won't hand out the yellow cards, I will. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Liam, to be the head referee of FIFA, he's running in 2022. Oh, fuck. I'd kill myself first. That would be the worst job to ever have, ever. Are, are you kidding me? You'd make a lot of money in all that corruption. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't my, enjoy uh, it. I'd be so sad. <laughs> my yellow card goes to uh, me. I got to calm this uh, this stuff down about David Moyes. I give it to myself. I've, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I wish we yes. had some really sweet... Uh, satisfying music to play behind. And I, I want to send out my deepest apologies to David Moyes. Um, I did not believe in you. You have changed my mind. I am sorry. Um, your wife is beautiful. Um, I, I've said negative things about her. I'm not proud of that. Um, I also want you to know that you don't look like a draw. You look like a very kind individual. And I want you to know that. So um, I, again, I am sorry, David Moyes. Forgive me. Hit me with your red card, Liam. So I put on our pre-match uh, GSB because I wanted to give you a false sense of security. My red card goes to you, Tex, you fucking idiot. How many times are you going to fucking red card David Moyes before you get it through that thick Texas skull of yours that he is the Moisiah? He is the man to lead us to the promised land. This, it could not be more clear cut. You went on fan zone earlier today and you couldn't fucking pay the man a compliment to the point that the 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 men on the on the couch were flabbergasted they had no words for the inane idiocy that was dribbling out of that bearded mouth of yours so my red card goes to you you're gonna sit this one out my friend okay it's time for my red card goes to fucking david boys again i'm giving him the goddamn red card again and the only reason why I have nothing negative to say, it's just because I've been giving you red cards all year. The team's been playing well. I'm going to keep being a dick about it, but I'm not going to say anything negative. David, <laughs> you get the red card. There's no fucking reason why. Thank you for everything you're doing. Here's your red card. <laughs> That's all I can do. I swear I am so... Oh, I, I just... I, I, I'm too superstitious, Liam. I have to give him one. But notice, there is no reason or justification for it. David, it's just a red card. I am sorry. I love you. Here's your red card. 
There's no venom or vitriol. It's all love. It all comes from a place of love. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So obviously um, this is that time of the show. We want to let you know um, that if you're ever feeling alone or you're ever feeling like you're having thoughts that uh, you don't maybe want to be here anymore or anything like that, we want you to know there's always somebody to talk to. There's always someone um, that's willing to listen. And here in the United States of America, that number is 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. That is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Uh, don't hesitate to call. Um, and if you're listening to this show and you don't necessarily want to call that number, send us a message um, at AHRWHU on Twitter. Um, we will get back to you as soon as possible. You can also hit up all social media at Fresno Irons. Uh, we would love to uh, chat with you and want you to know that you are special, you are loved, and you have a lot more to offer than maybe you think. Uh, Liam, let them know how to contact it over there on the uh, over there on the island. Sure. So you can reach out to Samaritans at 116-123. And same thing, they provide a very similar service to the uh, suicide prevention hotline that we have here in the United States. Uh, And as Tex said, you can always reach out to us as well. I mean, Tex, you can hit him up at uh, Fresno Irons. You can find me at Liam Bright, or you can message the show, as he said, H-A-R-W-H-U. Again, thank you so much to Tim and Lee of American Hammers Network for providing us this platform and the opportunity to give you our thoughts, as stupid as they may be coming out of my mouth, but at least they're brilliant coming from Liam here on the uh, uh, American Hammers Radio. Um, This is always fun. We enjoy doing it. If you ever want to get involved in the show, drop a line. Again, at Twitter is what we check the most, at A-H-R-W-H-U. Phil, if you ever want to get involved in the show, maybe you want to come on and and you want to have a go at me and make me eat crow, I'd be more than willing to eat your crow. So (laughs) please make sure that you drop a line and let us know. Um, Huge, uh, huge game. All of them are big now because we're fighting for top four. So there's not a game that's not important anymore for West Ham United. This is a game we absolutely absolutely want um, to continue this run of form that we're on right now, which has been absolutely magnificent. There's never been a better time, Liam, to be a West Ham fan since I've started rooting for him. This is the most fun I've had. Um, huge game. We're going to Craven Cottage. It's 9.30 a.m. out here on the left coast. On the east coast, it's at 12.30 p.m. Uh, please make sure that you uh, watch and support because obviously we can't be at the match. That, that part kind of sucks. Um, but hopefully, uh, West Ham United, Fulham at Craven Cottage, big game. And if you find yourself out here for some strange reason in Fresno, California, and you go, Hey, there's a game today. I should go watch with the Fresno Irons. Hit us up at all social media at Fresno Irons. We'll give you directions to wherever we may be. And we would love to enjoy watching the match with you. Uh, for Liam, this is Tex. Uh, thank you for listening. And as always... Come Come on, on, you you irons. irons.